0: All right, good morning, everybody. It's great to be in the presence of God. But now, let's just get into the Word of God. But before we do that, let's just surrender ourselves, open our hearts to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let's ask God to pour out His Spirit into our hearts. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we commit to You. We love You. We love Your truth. We know that Your truth that is contained in Your Word, in the written Word, will change us, will transform us. Because of that, Father, we open our hearts and uh, we ask that you will pour out your spirit into our hearts in a new way so we can see what you are trying to say through your word, Father. Bless your people, touch your touch your people, and also touch me as the, as the declarer of, of your word that I will do it accurately. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Okay. So now we are right now is at the we are at the significant at the point in a significant point and pivotal point in the in our series of the book of Revelation. And uh, so today I am going to take this moment to show you how to approach this book in a simple way. So for that I'm gonna use some here. Now this is please. This is not uh, an ad for LB Coffee, <laughs> so uh, this is this is a pro for the book of Revelation, all right? So, uh, Revelation, there are two, okay? Part one, two halves, okay? Two sections, first half and second half. First half being chapter 1 to 11, and then second half being chapter... Uh, thirteen, all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. Okay, and between these two halves, there's this thing I will call the interlude, which is chapter twelve. Okay, so chapter one to chapter thirteen to the end, and chapter twelve, which is the, which is uh yeah, which is the 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 uh, like the interlude. So uh, next week we'll be starting this second half and we'll be talking about the beasts mm-hmm. and the 666, what it all means. And about today, I'm going to uh, go through what we've covered so far in the first half. And I have I mentioned a little bit of, of the, uh, the second half. So uh, So the first half, this one here, the first half, let's talk about it it's is uh, from chapter 11 to uh, to uh, chapter one to, to eleven when John starts with presenting the general thing about who Jesus really is and the function of the church as well as the essence of the church there was going to be a literal war or sh- or showdown between the church and the state back then okay at that time so John's john looked at the church and said guys listen you guys are totally unprepared ill-equipped you need to prepare yourself and at that moment jesus then said to john write this letter to them get them wake them up because they need to wake up so this preparation of the church is built from chapter one to a point in chapter 11 only to show the readers This is what God actually is looking for. He's looking for witnesses. Interesting. Why? Because the whole thing shows that after the judgment of God, that God released his judgment, people didn't repent. It didn't produce repentance. But, and yet, when you follow the stories it, it was after we will we will talk more about this you know in a few moments but but the story goes on that after the activities of the the church the re- represented by the two witnesses in chapter uh, 11 at the expense of their lives that the the people who survived the judgment of God gave glory to God mm. prior to that all these different judgments didn't produce anything like that so You know it was after the activities of the witnesses the church of the church that people start to give glory to God so therefore this first session is all about Jesus the lamb and the role of the church and the function of the church of his church to show the essence of who the church really is meant to be why because it all Culminates in the humility that is displayed by the two witnesses, if you read in chapter 11, represented by the church. The, the ultimate leads to the, their death. Okay, so let's mention, let's go to briefly to the second half here. Now, this second half here, it all begins with the war, with this thing here the, uh, the interlude, the war in the heavenlies. In chapter 12 where the dragon satan himself was defeated and was thrown out of heaven and thrown down to earth now from then from then on john then begins to present to the readers the two beasts one from the sea and one from the land now he's he's what what's interesting just as the role of human agency as witnesses is pivotal in God's plan, Satan also uses human agency, called the beasts, two beasts. Okay, so that's what he does, and the beasts were actual people, just as witnesses were actual people, and uh, represent the community of people. The beast we've mentioned it before is Nero, and it also represents the Tyrannical government. So, chapter 12 is about the conflict between the dragon and God, and in this conflict, there are two different kinds of human agents that are used by the dragon. It is the governmental system, which is the Antichrist, where the people can't buy food or, or trade because they Because within that that community or the society, they had this uh, association of business people, the guilds, where to be part of it, you need to participate in the rituals of worshiping the emperor. Remember, we talked about the the flourishing of the emperor worship cult is there. So you need to be part of that. And uh, so when you think about it, looking from the broad New Testament theology, we, as God's witnesses and the body of Christ, are representing a government, while the beasts, on the other hand, represent human government. Okay? So, are we saying that chapter 1 to chapter 11 is all about the church? Yes, it is. It is about the church. Even though in those chapters we see, you know, we read about the, the the seals and the trumpets, which is where God released his judgment. However, you know, then chapter 12, you know, obviously about Satan, like I said before. However, in that judgment, the judgment actually reveal who God is, the character of God. Chapter 1 was revealing who Jesus is, but chapter 12 is revealing who Satan is. Yeah? So the second half... Which I'll start to unpack next time, which is you know, next week, is all about the parody of Jesus, the Lamb, and his church. The parody being Satan, the dragon, and his beasts. Okay? Can you see the parallel here? Interesting. Now, I think it's important for us to I want to discuss a little bit of the symbols. Symbols, the imagery, and all the symbolism we need to know. Going back to the point, this is the letter to the people at that time. So, the imagery and all the symbolisms that, that are used by John, it was familiar to the people at that time at the, of the writing, especially to the Jewish Christians and also to the other Christians there, because there was no New Testament. They were all given the Old Testament scriptures, all the images. So they would be familiar with the Old Testament uh, writing like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and all those New Testament writers. So even the language of the two witnesses, they would have understood that. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't a mystery to, to those guys to the seven churches particularly, because they were living in it, they were immersed into it. Yeah? So, here's the thing. All the Jewish symbolism and the secular symbolism wasn't meant to be a a mystery to them. It's something they're quite familiar with. As a matter of fact, the symbolism and the imagery were were not only things that Christians were familiar with, but also were things that non-Christians were also familiar with. Some of the symbols, okay, (laughs) that the local pagans had about their deities uh, (laughs) are familiar and the ones also presented by John. It's almost like there's a similarity between the the imagery of the the cult's deities Mm -hmm. to Jesus. So really what I can say... The point I'm trying to push push is this, their imagery is pretty much a parody to what Jesus really is, okay? It's interesting how Satan likes to copy, you know, who God is. Now, the next thing, this is very important. Remember that the book of Revelation is not a book for us to use to predict the future. Mm. That was not meant to be. It was written for the churches, therefore, that situation. It is the kind of writing that to encourage them. Like I said, it's an apoco- apocalyptic, which is, you know, the word revelation. The type of literature to encourage people at that situation, the difficult situation. So uh, I don't need to say too much, too much about that. But our understanding of this book, okay, the, I want to say this. Our understanding of this book has a significant impact of how we as Christians conduct ourselves in the world, especially in our current situation, which I have seen Mm -hmm. lately. Unfortunately, there has been a lot of misconducts and a lot of crazy things done by Christians recently. I'm talking about Christians. And that, I believe, is because I believe that is the result of misreading the scriptures in general Generally speaking, but particularly the book of Revelation. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So let's let's just tackle this issue. Every book in the Bible is written for a purpose. Like the book of Revelation, it is a, an apocalyptic book, but it is written for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is an epistle of John to yeah. the seven churches. So there's a reason. So the content and the images of the revelation describe the difficult situation of the churches in Asia. They were where they, they, this is the kind of thing they were facing, these churches in Asia, with the ultimate end as the backdrop. Okay, as the ultimate, ultimate future, the end time as the backdrop. Okay, for example, the picture of the new heaven, the new earth, and uh, and uh, the the new Jerusalem. It's to give them, okay, you're going to a difficult time, but listen, God is faithful, but that's your ultimate future, okay? So the issue of, you know, of to whom worship belongs, you will see, this is the issue, to whom worship belongs. You will see it clearly from the beginning of the book of Revelation all the way to the end. So where the church was at in that situation okay with the flourishing of the cult worship because that's where the worship was directed to the emperors Mm -hmm. and the church caught in the middle of that they were totally unprepared ill-equipped so the entire book of the revelation especially the writing to the seven churches the letters to the seven churches is for this purpose to prepare them so let's just so that's the reason and i want to tackle now the the structure of the book this will give us clarity i think it's important because when you understand the structure of the writing you it gives you a big picture and where the flow is so because the, the issue is the object of worship which means the issue is to whom does worship belong okay that's the issue now so John began because that is the issue guess what he began with who Jesus really is yeah. because it is to him that the worship belong so The whole chapter one is about the revelation of Jesus, the risen Lord. Even from the very uh, first sentence of the first verse of the first chapter, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. And in dealing with the content of this book, there are three things. There things, there There are things that we need to be aware of, okay? Like I said before. The New Testament book did not exist. So the believers had only, their only point of reference to the truth is the Old Testament. That's why, like I said before, it's filled with imagery from the Old Testament, but I just want to say a few. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, Zechariah, Micah, as a matter of fact, even goes go as far as Genesis and Exodus. So... That's it. When you read it, you will see it, okay? So, from chapter 1 to chapter 11, John lays out his presentation of who Jesus really is and the essence of the church, okay? Now, as far as revelation of Jesus, John begins with the presentation of the revelation of Jesus by recounting his dramatic encounter with Jesus this resurrected Christ the son of man and as far as the church is concerned it was in that meeting in his, his encounter with Jesus where he received detailed instruction for the seven churches from Jesus given by Jesus himself this I believe okay these seven seven letters to the churches I believe is the, the most important part of the book revelation I believe this very strongly because in those in those uh, writing Jesus was coaching the church how to be a conquering church how to triumph and one thing we we, we talked about in in, in our past sermon but one thing that that there's the two things that are clear in in the letter, is that it was not the chaos in the world that would be the undoing of the church, but what was tolerated within the church that would be its undoing. And the survival of the, the, the church, or even the triumph of the church, would attain by not by seeing their situation, or not by seeing Jesus in the light of their situation, but seeing their situation in the light of who Jesus really is. The triumph, if I can, can, can conclude in that, in those two statements, it is that the triumph of the church is achieved by the church being what the church is meant to be. I'll say it again, that the triumph of the church will be achieved by the church being what the church is meant to be. What is it? Well, from this point on, the book Seems to be in the, in the book. There seems to be a build up of a case to highlight the significance of the role of the church within God's plan for mankind. By the time we arrive in chapter eleven, we discover this. This is what God is looking for. The way that John is, is writing this thing, it's like by the time we arrive at the chapter eleven, we realize, oh, this is what God is looking for. That in the midst of all the preparation of the church to be his faithful witness we are presented with the series of judgments seven seals seven trumpets like i said before with all the judgments people did not repent yeah even though the judgment of god is is uh is uh, is redemptive god is not vindictive he's redemptive. So he tried to get people's attention so that they will repent in the judgment, but after the judgments, the serious judgment, they didn't repent. And as we observe the pattern in this revelation, we can see even in the midst of that God giving the judgment, God was restraining himself. It's like there's a divine restraint that is shown by God. And that it, in in the structure we can see that that restraint is shown by the interludes from one judgment from a serious judgment to the next, and it the all the interludes is seen in the in the various scenes of heaven. John is caught up in this scene of of what's happening in heaven, and the pur- purpose of all these heavenly scenes is 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 three things. Okay, number one to give John the heaven the heaven's perspective about what's happening in the world for John to see from heaven's perspective is that God is in control okay and number 2 is to see the overarching issue which is the object of worship that the entire he- you know the entire heavenly scene is filled with continual worship Every time that there's a scene of heaven, it's always worship. I think what God is trying to do is like, because the issue is worship, as if God is trying to say, John, you realize this is where worship belongs, in my presence. Last one is the heavenly scene also shows God's ultimate purpose for mankind. And we can read it in chapter we talked about it in chapter seven, verse uh, one to seventeen, where the multitudes, innumerable people, were in the presence of God. It was like God said, "This is really what I want for mankind to be in my presence." Well, like I said, judgment didn't bring uh, bring uh, people to repent. However, and people didn't repent it, it wasn't until chapter 10 and 11 where god prepared and assigned his witnesses it's almost like all the preparation of the church along the way is to bring them to this point that god is trying to bring to the church that god prepared and assigned his witness beginning with john and then the two and and then to the, the church as a community represented by two witnesses, when it was after the activities of the witnesses and not only their activities but such was their activities to the even to the point of it cost their lives that the scene started to change, the scenario changed because it was after remember I said the judgment didn't produce repentance, but after their activities, At the expense of their life, to that extent, they are the survivors of the people who survived God's judgment then began to give glory to God. Interesting. In short, I believe Revelation begins with the truth of who Jesus is, one of which is him as the faithful witness In chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus was presented as the uh, faithful witness. And as the faithful witness, he then prepared and coached his church the embodiment of who he really is for what was to come by giving them the invitation to conquer and ultimately to be a faithful witness as he is, even to the point of death. That's when we now... From there, after presenting this is what I want for the church, then John was given this revelation from God in chapter 12. Now, It was as if God is saying, Jesus is saying to John, this is where it all begins. All the ha- things that are happening in the world, this is where it all begins in chapter 12. It begins with the war between... God and Satan himself between good and evil. That the church and the world where they're at at the moment is because of this chapter 12, where the war in heaven where the dragon, Satan himself, was defeated and thrown out of heaven down to earth, which we talked about last week. Now, from here all the way to chapter 19, all right, after being thrown down from out of heaven down to earth, from here to chapter 19, Satan runs havoc in the earth, not because he is powerful, because he's lost his place in heaven, but because he's been stripped off all the power. Mm -hmm. And he knows in chapter 12, verse 12, he said, he knows that his time on earth is short. In other words, he's desperate. Well, I can say it's like showing a tantrum. (laughs) John then begins to present the readers, after chapter 12, about the two beasts, chapter 13 onward. Just as the role of the human agency called the witnesses is pivotal in God's plan, Satan also used human agency called the beasts. The beasts were actual people, just as the witnesses is actual people. And they represent community of people. The beast is known widely known as Nero, and it also represents the tyrannical government. So by, by the time we get to chapter 19, we will read... How, read about the defeat of the beast, and by chapter 20, we'll see not just the, uh, the uh, defeat of the beast, but Satan completely defeated. That's pretty much the, the gem of the, the book of Revelation. I think it's good to, to understand in the, the whole picture, so when we read, you know, we see, we read in context. In conclusion, I wanna I wanna leave we all I wanna leave with this this thought, which I, I believe this thought is probably the the uh, the central thought of what this is all about, which is Revelation chapter twelve, verse eleven, where it says, and they speaking of the faithful believers, and they have conquered him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, okay, by the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus achieved, and by the word of the testimony concerning what Jesus achieved, and listen to this, uh, this word: for they love not their lives even unto death. Meaning, they gave their t- testimony about Jesus. The way they do it, they do it to the to the extent where. It costs their lives. In other words, they're not loving their lives, even to the point of death. That's it. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed this this series, and and you know, when you preach, you don't know what what how you trust God. I God, I give the truth. What what? The, how people accept the truth? You know, it's just between them and you, and we hope that the Holy Spirit will work in their hearts. And then, uh, Diana and I received, you know, just a few days ago, received from someone who used to come to, to Memo Life, and uh, left Memo Life about 10 years ago to a different state, and uh, to, uh, they lived in the state. and uh, suddenly we heard from this person. And she she told Diane that she's been listening to the series. And she is so excited, and sent us a text. And uh, she said, "I mean, it's a long text. It was it really blessed Diana, because you know you don't know. It's like we haven't heard from 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 her since they left, you know, since her and her husband left. But all of a sudden, she received this text, and she said, she 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 among many things that she wrote, she said." <clears throat> What the Spirit is saying through this book gives me freedom not to fight for freedom. I read it again. This is among many things that she said. She said a lot of things, but this is what really got me. She said, what the Spirit is saying through this book gives me freedom not to fight for freedom. And I said to die I looked at that, I thought, I said to die she got it. Because that's the whole point. This is what I've been wanting to get across. Like I said, if we, the book of Revelation is obviously, people are aware that it's the most misunderstood book. The moment you misunderstand that, that's gonna pretty much affect your behave, how you behave, especially in this current situation. I remember some someone once said, when this whole COVID-19 started, someone actually from our church said, why don't, we, don't, why don't we preach from the book of Revelation? So that got me thinking. That's why you know I thought, okay, let's do it, which is, which is a good thing because that's what the book of Revelation is for, is to give people hope in a difficult time when evil seems to have the upper hand. Yeah. So guess what? Our victory is that, chapter 12, verse 11. It's only done by Jesus. So what Jesus is trying to do is for us to participate in the victory that he has accomplished. And the way to accomplish that victory that he had, we have to go the same way. He, as a matter of fact, the book of Hebrews said, He conquered death by dying, that through death he overcame death. I remember someone, this is just the last, thing, the last thing I want to say, reading, you know, social media, Facebook. <laughs> Somebody put on, uh, on a Facebook and wrote, my freedom is not a privilege, it is my God-given right. I read that and I, th- I thought, really? Is that the language of a disciple of Jesus? I want to say this, as a disciple of Jesus, we don't have rights. We have responsibilities and privileges because we lay down all our rights, sense of rights before the cross. So I want to change that statement. It's not, my freedom is not a privilege, it's my God-given right. But rather, my freedom is a privilege and it is a God given reality. Jesus said, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. As a matter of fact, before that statement, he the Bible says in John chapter eight, verse thirty-one, it says, Jesus said to the believers, to the Jews who believed him. So he's speaking to the believers now. He said if you abide in my word, you will be my disciples. He said, and then you will know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. It's interesting how people love to quote this, because oh, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Wait, wait, wait a minute. There are a few things that need to take place before that happen. First, abide in my word. And then once you do that, then you will be his disciples. And then you will know the truth. And then the last thing is the truth will set you free. Let's determine to be people who abide in the word of Jesus. So if you if we call ourselves Christians, then we need to ask ourselves, are we people abide in the word of Jesus? Are we disciples of Jesus? Until such point, then we will know the truth, and then the truth will set us free. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Doesn't matter what the situation is now, teach us to be who we are in you. Open our eyes to see who we are in you. Not to fight for our freedom, to fight for our right. We are free because you set us free. So regardless of what situation we are in, we are free people and we will act like free people. And we will behave and conduct ourselves like people who have been set free by the sun. Bless your people, Lord. I know it's a difficult time there. There are all kinds of things that's going on mental health issues, and even physical issues, but in the midst of that, you have set us free. Just like Paul and Silas in jail, in prison, they were in prison, but they were free. That's why they could worship you. They could praise you, even in prison. We want to be like those people, Lord. Bless your people, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.